Hello and welcome back to Bull and Bear Crypto. My name is James Gore and this video is for the 1st of April 2020. This won't be an April Fool's video. This will be a regular market update. We're going to be looking at Bitcoin, We're going to be looking at some altcoins as well, some interesting things happening and some really big news from the space. We've got Cardano news, Coinbase news, uh, some Bitcoin metrics, some big news from Binance as well. But before we do kick into the video, of course, don't forget to subscribe, follow, and on whatever platform you may be uh, listening or watching this on, just as it does help the channel slash feeds, helps Bull and Bear Crypto, it means you can get the, the goodies uh, when we release them. And of course, we have a new email list, first link in the description box below or in the show notes, that will take you to an email list with insider updates, a little bit extra content for you there. And I'm not posting anywhere else. But let's crack on with the video. So the first thing we're going to be looking at is Bitcoin's dominance versus the rest of the altcoin market. So if we take a quick look here on the, the daily charts, we can see that Bitcoin's dominance has begun to trend downwards. I was expecting this to happen. We mentioned not last video, not the video before that, but possibly the video before that we were likely to see a bit of resistance and rejection from Bitcoin's market dominance over the rest of the market at around the 69 US 69 uh, percent mark. We have that rejection and it seems like we could actually form a bit of an inverse head and shoulders now if we do get a bit of a bounce from the levels we're at which is around 66. We it, it is arguable it's not the it's not the cleanest um, neckline we did form one but it is possible. Um, but it seems like Bitcoin's dominance is going to continue to downtrend a tiny bit further. There's no real uh, significant indication that it wouldn't. If we drill a bit deeper down into some shorter time frames and take a little looky look, we can actually see on the four hour time frame quite a significant amount of volatility actually, just because obviously it's not, not, it's not the typical chart, but there's no, there's no real indication things are going to slow down. So could see um, either Bitcoin losing market value compared to the rest of the altcoins, which means the alts will increase in value, um, or the altcoins just kind of uh, go on an absolute tear for a brief period of time, which I think is less likely just considering what's happening in the more broader markets at the moment. But if we do zoom in to BTC on the four hour time frame, if you remember in the last video, I did mention that we were likely to see a rejection from the uh, 6,990 USD mark, and we actually got that rejection. However, we were a few dollars off. The actual high was 6,983.71, so we were $6.69 off. But that's pretty close and we got that rejection so that so that generally would have been a good uh, entry for a short we have a bit of a double top here in the four hour time frame. we can see prices trending downwards we set a high a lower high on this pattern but truth be told we're trading range we're trading range between five thousand six hundred and fifty seven dollars and six thousand nine hundred ninety dollars and truth be truth be told we're, we're likely to break below um five six it seems just the way this pattern's going. If you know, in the last video I mentioned uh, Wyckoff theory or Wyckoff theory, um, this looks like a distribution pattern that's going, which basically means it will be followed by a bit of a drop. However, you never know with these markets, you never know how things can go. Bitcoin was doing relatively well uh, the last couple of days, 
um, independently of the, of the major markets, which was nice. Um, again, Bitcoin has been a bit of a canary in the coal mine in terms of understanding where the other markets are going to lead. And the traditional markets seem to have more volatility BTC on some of the some of the stocks, so it is actually worth paying attention to the traditional market right now. Just because, again, I wouldn't say look at the index indices. Um, I'd say look at some of these these other stocks um, that are likely to be more volatile. That could be a bit more interesting for you. And what's also uh, very interesting is um, some of the hedge funds are uh, considering selling, not in the U.S. but abroad. Could, ha having to sell um, off most of their equities. I'm talking about 70%, 60% to um, maintain profit or maintain, maintain you know, you know, for just for their, their um, uh, customers' interests at the moment. So there's some news floating around about that. So that could be happening in the next couple of weeks. So um, you know, we might be seeing some further downside overall in the markets, all markets. But Next up, we're going to look at Ethereum versus BTC and just see how that's doing. So Ethereum isn't, again, it's not the best charts that we've had. Actually, I just need to go back to Bitcoin. Apologies there because I didn't talk about levels. So let me just talk about what I'd expect to see. So we're going to turn on volume profile visible range again. And I'm just going to increase the number of bars because I was looking at BTC comparative. So in terms of levels of support and resistance to pay attention to in the current range we're trading, it makes sense to, if I zoom in a tiny bit and move that across so you guys can see, and I'll describe it for you guys listening, makes sense that the next gap down or next kind of bounce we'd see if we continue to trend down with me at the 6,000, I'd say 5,920 USD marks is $6,000 range because there is a bit of a lack of um, uh, uh, fewer bars between uh, the previous previous level of support. And what's very interesting is price is hovering just below the points of contention in the current range we're in. So price, generally speaking, is meant to return to the POC. So we could have a bounce from 5.9 to the current price, which is... Uh, 6235 before we would continue to trend downwards. And again, that would actually fit uh, a typical uh, Wyckoff uh, distribution pattern. So um, interesting th stuff going on. But let's again move over to Ethereum. So if I zoom out a tiny bit so you guys can see. So Ethereum is trading at 0 0.0209 Satoshis. Um, we're forming a bit of positive price action today. But again, nothing too significant. I did see some people were quite excited by Ethereum's price action today. But truth be told, again, nothing, nothing, you know, that's making me think, oh, I really need to make an entry on Ethereum currently. Um, if we take a look at the 12 and 26 moving averages, we can see we've been rejected from those moving averages since the 11th of March. Until we start closing above uh, the 12 and 26, I wouldn't get too excited in terms of expecting any general upside for Ethereum. And again, if you remember, I said that the, the, the level I'm looking at where I'd start to consider making a more of a long-term entry would be 0.019 Satoshis. So we're not that far off. We do have a bit of... Um, a few a few levels or or, or or stops down before we'd actually reach that point but again I mean that's what I'd be that's what I'd be looking for um, on this time frame currently if we were going to um, move towards 
that level, then we can see here, we have a few stops down at 0 0.02, 0 0.0521 Satoshis, and then another stop at 0 0.019921 Satoshis. So yeah. Okay, let's take a look at Ethereum. Not Ethereum, sorry, Ripple, XRP. Sorry, not even Ripple. Let's call it XRP, That's what it actually is. It's not Ripple, it's XRP token. Because Ripple is a company and it's a network. So if we take a look at Ripple <laughs> at XRP, um, we're actually in an interesting stage at the moment because in terms of a long-term play, this would be an interesting time for making an entry. We've had a bit of a break uh, last couple of days. We've just moved into a period of consolidation. Looks like we're having a bounce off the 12 and 26 moving average exponentials. Um, we've closed above. Looks like we could have a bit of a breakout. So if I were to just draw a few levels, the first place I'd expect resistance would be at the uh, 3,000... Wow, do you guys see that? The, the, the bars on my horizontal lines just moved for some reason. Uh, the first place that I expect to see resistance would be at the 3,355 Satoshi mark, just because that's been a level of profit taking once, twice, um, three times. It's been support in the past as well. So that would make sense. That'd be some kind of rejection, initial rejection in that range, possibly could break above and hit the next level. But uh, Ripple's looking interesting. We have a bit of a flag forming and it looks like it's about to break out as well. So um, if you are looking at the Ripple for a Bitcoin, um, at the Bitcoin pairing, there's a potential trade set up there. Let's take a look at EOS versus Bitcoin. I'm gonna look at Binance and Cardano. Okay, so EOS has been downtrending since the 15th or 14th of February. EOS has performed relatively well since since the start of this year. Let's see how much it's been up since the start of this year versus Bitcoin, 50%. That's actually really reasonable considering the general market conditions and what you'd expect from a typical traditional market, the traditional markets. But it's been downtrending versus Bitcoin and we can see here it's in that range where, if I just move, uh, chart history back a tiny bit, turn on volume profile visible range. It's just trading below the POC, point of contention. Most uh, most of the profile at the moment is uh, set up, so I, I show 70% of the profiles, almost the default settings for volume profile visible range, but most of the price action, you know, the, the highest volume node is uh, not that far off. And generally speaking, price returns to the POC. Um, so in terms of a long-term hold, there are some arguments to suggest that, you know, when EOS does start to break above the 12 and 26 moving average exponential and close above, likely to see a bit of a run. But until then, I wouldn't look to make an entry personally. I think there are more interesting things in other markets or here in crypto space as well. Just gave you Ripple as one example, because I probably expect to see further downside on looking at EOS. And we take a look at the four hour time frame. I'm expecting to see it still being rather choppy, which it is. It's still contesting with the moving average, 12 and 26 moving averages. Uh, it's not broken above just yet. It's, it's, it's not closing above consistently just yet. And it's just a series, it's a pattern of lower highs and lower lows. There's no real trend reversal. We haven't really set a proper higher high and higher, ho higher low yet. Um, so we're just seeing some bounces from the 3,396 Satoshi range. So um, some, some, some could, you could, you know, try to catch some knives here, but truth be told, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bother because it's just, it's not worth the risk when there are a few coins that are more likely to provide you with a, with a you know, better returns for the long term um, or a better entry point, even though it's up 1.5% today. Cardano is the one that's interesting for me today. I'm going to be touching upon it with some news. 
pretty much the same story with Cardano, except it is starting to begin to test uh, on the daily, the 12 and 26 moving average exponential. And on the four hour time frame, we can see it's just started to trade above, close above, and it looks like it might start to that consistently. So it's one that I'd start to watch. We do have an inverse head and shoulders that has formed on this, uh, uh, on this, uh, on the four hour time frame. So we do have a bit of a pattern forming. Um, we could also argue it's the bottom, but um, until we see a proper test of the 480 Satoshi mark and some significant, a significant uh, break in price action, which you know, again, given current market conditions, unlikely to see anything too significant like we typically expect. Um, I wouldn't expect any kind of down, uh, any kind of significant uptrend. Okay, but um, it's more interesting compared to uh, EOS, for example. So that's a nice, nice comparison. And if we look here, we can see generally trading around that bottom range uh, that you'd expect to see. But I don't think we've hit the floor just yet with all these altcoins. So you have to wait for that. Probably what's going to be the last move down for a while before we sideways trained, trade on with BTC. If you guys have any coins you'd like me to take a look at, do comment in the description box below. And of course, don't forget to like this video because it lets uh, YouTube know that um, you guys want to see more videos, which is really useful. So let's move on to news for the past couple of days. So Charles Hoskinson, he says it'll be easier to issue and maintain digital assets on Cardano rather than Ethereum. So there's some interesting Card Cardano uh, progression in terms of um, in terms of what we're seeing with the network in terms of development. Um, it's next news piece is actually uh, very interesting compared to the fiat world, world and options we have. But um, Charles Hoskinson, the CEO of IOHK, said that a huge amount of time and effort and money is spent resulted in the unique product in the market that's set to fill even the highest of expectations. It'll be easier to issue and maintain digital assets on Cardano than it currently is on Ethereum, Hoskinson said. IOHK, the company behind the ambitious Cardano product project, is on track to fill all the commitments made for 2020. So the issuing of tokens would basically be um, potential stablecoin, which I think would be good. Stablecoins issued on uh, Cardano would be pretty good, um, but also some kind of fundraising platform alternative to, to EOS and Ethereum. I don't know how much of the demand there is for actual fundraising at the moment. We're usually seeing reverse ISOs at the moment, where uh, at best, if we see any uh, ICOs at the moment, if we see um, any, just because ICO mania has kind of tapered off. People have been a bit more savvy, less willing to invest, a bit more frugal, especially considering market conditions. So um, we'll see about that. But in terms of uh, DeFi as well, decentralized finance, which we'll be touching upon a bit later in this uh, in this um, show, um, there, is, there is some significant potential here. But um, it's still yet to be seen. Ultimately, Cardano is still it's, it's still ultimately just a development project, you know, um, does have some uh, significant partnerships, but it's not, it's not completely delivering all the things that it said it would. And really no blockchain is other than Bitcoin, if I'm honest with you. It doesn't, they don't seem to be there yet. They're all works in development, which is, um, 
you know, which is standard really. So as Bitcoin, truth be told, but Bitcoin's light years ahead of about our in terms of what it's achieved and it's trying to achieve. So it's a bit of a different story. Um, but keeping up with Cardano, um, Cardano is now more scalable than Visa, the Visa network with Ouroboros Hydra upgrade. So let's quickly talk about what that actually means. So Cardano launched Ouroboros Hydra, which is an off-chain scalability protocol. So it's been in development for five years. And what's what the one thing, the one theme I'm seeing with every single blockchain at the moment, in terms of a payment solution, they're all off-chain. That, that really isn't a, pay, a uh, blockchain, a true blockchain, um, that is not providing a payment payment uh, option that's that's on its base layer. Um, Nano is an example of uh, a kind of unicorn in the space where it's debatably not a blockchain because they only have one block per, per one block that gets destroyed and, and rebuilt over time. So uh, with each transaction, so it doesn't maintain the actual the actual block. So it's debatable. But I think Nano, you know, a good you know devil's advocate to what I just said, Nano could be a blockchain that's purely used for payments. The Ripple network isn't the blockchain. It's ultimately just a network that's you know that someone you know has a has a token for. Um, they're ultimately their own bank in terms of how they operate. They're completely centralized. Um, so it's a bit of a different story there. But um, the protocol, uh, this protocol drastically increases scalability and transaction speed while simultaneously using very little on-chain or node storage. And it's the, again, the same theme we're seeing across all these blockchains that are looking to provide a payment solution. The second layer is where that's coming from, okay? Because the base layer is going to be used for either uh, for something else. Um, or just allowing, for example, sharding with Ethereum, just allowing um, more more space on the on the, ba on the base chain. So let's continue with the article. Each user connects to Ouroboros Hydra, generates 10 throughput la lanes for data and transactions. So the network gets faster with more scalable and with increasing users. If just 100 people join the network, which creates 1,000 throughput lanes, the protocol will be able to handle 1 million transactions per second, which is a far greater capacity than the biggest fiat payment networks like MasterCard and Visa. Ultimately, the only limiting factor is the network connection between participants and not the protocol itself. Overall, this is perhaps one of the first examples of blockchain technology exceeding the capabilities of major payment networks like Visa, and it could be a sign that blockchain tech will one day underpin the entire global financial system. Well, we already know that. Um, <laughs> that's a bit of old news in terms of that. It's just a matter of time, really. But again, Cardano, this is actually a major milestone for Cardano, major major milestone for Cardano. Um, so congratulations to the IOHK um, project. Okay, moving on. Coinbase pumps 1.1 million USDC into DeFi sites, Uniswap and Pool. So if you aren't aware, Coinbase is going to have direct um, interactions uh, from their wallets and from the website with um, DeFi based applications, okay? So Uniswap and Pool Together is uh, DeFi apps based on the Ethereum network. Um, so the USD they've invested comes from the USDC bootstrap fund, which the company launched in September 29. So what they're looking to do is provide critical infrastructure that enable DeFi to grow and increasingly compete with existing financial products. Coinburst wrote in a blog shared with Coindesk. Uniswap is an automated market maker and pull together gamifies the saving of money and DeFi platforms uh, compound and 
DYDX were the bootstrap fund's initial investments. So this is good for, for Coinbase because ultimately they're going to be benefiting from uh, the interest gained uh, from these platforms, going to be gaining from 1.1 million USDC. Um, that's going to be gaining interest over time. Um, and they'll be basically benefiting, but it also allows um, people to borrow against that, borrow, borrow crypto and provides liquidity for the DeFi space, which is which is definitely what they need and they help help the space grow ultimately, which is which is fantastic. Okay, so next up. So we're talking about BitTorrent. So BitTorrent product usage is up 30%. DLive DAU has doubled. What is driving growth? And I, I was wondering this myself because um, the people that actually use BitTorrent, I use BitTorrent. Um, the people that use BitTorrent, I assume, um, have been doing so for a considerable amount of time. I can't imagine many new people are suddenly discovering BitTorrent just because there are a lot of other alternatives on the internet that seem to be more mainstream. But um, just to cover this article, uh, BitTorrent products achieved numerous milestones in terms of mass adoption in Q1 of 2020. It's 30% usage surge among the most prominent leaps of the Tron Foundation foundation fa uh, family. Viris in numerous. Um, so it is reported that Bitcoin, uh, sorry, BitTorrent BIT usage increased by six million over the past month, up thirty percent from the previous month. Estimates put BitTorrent's DAU in April at thirty million. The Windows client has been the most popular of all the BitTorrent implementations since it onboarded two point one million users in March. So, um, if you're unaware, Tron acquired the BitTorrent network um, or the BitTorrent BitTorrent company. Is a company, and um, and and the blockchain, I believe, the BIT token. So it's blockchain as well, um, and has a there's a gamification aspect to now uploading and sharing content. You 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 are rewarded for uh, seeding content on the network, which basically means sharing content with other users, and I believe that you can get increased download speeds on the BitTorrent network if you pay with the BIT token. So that's what's paying these people um, um, seeding these, these, uh, all these files on the internet. So it's, it's a very interesting system. Um, and BitTorrent staking is going to start in April, it seems. But um, in terms of what's driving growth, it's probably the fact that Tron, the Tron Foundation acquired it and added this, added this um, you know, the, the fact that people can earn crypto from sharing content on the network and pay in crypto on the network to get better better usage. So very interesting stuff. Okay, moving on. So let's talk about fractional reserve banking and what the, compa the, the comparative would be in the crypto space. So it's very arguable that exchanges currently operate as retail banks, okay? Central banks would be the... The comparative would be like Tether. So the USDT Treasury would be comparatively compared to the Federal Federal Reserve um, because they print the Tether, the Federal Reserve prints the Tether. What's happening, it seems, is that some exchanges may be lending out Tethers they don't actually have. So this is how the crypto space can see a significant collapse because it's just mirroring what's happening in the existing financial system. Um, and what previous mistakes have been made. For example, um, not having, not having, Tether not having the money in, in their bank accounts that they're printing is a problem. 
except they found a way to stop it from being a problem by not allowing people to get their cash back when they sell tethers. So you have to sell tethers to exchanges, which basically means you trade in the tether for fiat or you trade in the tether for crypto. But if these exchanges don't have the tether um, that they're lending out, they're ultimately becoming fractional reserve um, they're, using, they're using fractional reserve banking. Okay, why is it any different from um, what we see from retail banks? What's very interesting is in the existing financial system, traditional financial system, um, the Fed has basically lifted the amount of um, the percentage needed for, you to, for, for retail banks to have to hold. So, so they moved it to zero. So banks no need, in, at least in the US, technically no, no longer need to hold um, any any dollars compared to the amount they're lending out. That's really irresponsible, really, really irresponsible. But the reason why the Federal Reserve are doing this is to provide liquidity to the system, grease the grease the cogs in terms of the economy, in hopes that you know the, the economy will, will find it much easier to to rebound and recover, which it technically should do once that starts to happen. But we have to have this whole shutdown and virus. Uh, you know, lockdown end because if people aren't going to work, if the people aren't spending, the economy is based on spending and people working and debt ultimately. So until until this cycle can continue, which is you know almost ground to halt at the moment, you know it's not going to happen. So they're they're using every every trick in the book they can. Um, so having zero reserves at these banks isn't going to really be much of a problem for the immediate future because a um, the amount of lending that they're doing is probably not as much as because people are probably borrowing less. Even though all the things that are, are in place, people likely aren't going to be approved for many of these loans as well. So in terms of of um, of the actual amount lent out, it'd probably be less than you would expect. Plus, people aren't gonna aren't going to be able to fully do a bank run, which is what I mentioned in my last video or the video before, which basically means withdrawing all your cash because they'll just get denied. At the bank because the banks are placing limits on how much you can withdraw so they're basically passing the buck on to the, to, to the next person which ultimately is a consumer but the federal reserve can print as much as many dollars as they'd like to kind of fill the gap between how much the banks have lent out and how much they actually have on their books in terms of cash which is fine but in crypto we don't have that we don't we actually don't have that so fractional reserve banking or fractional reserve exchanges start to have an issue with liquidity it's going to come from people's cryptocurrency balances it's not going to be coming from usdt so this is why it's really key guys to keep the majority of your cryptocurrency off the exchanges even exchanges that are insured because i i do like coinbase i love that they're insured um up to whatever amount they're insured at but truth be told is if there is something catastrophic happen you don't want to be in a position where you can't access funds for a couple of months or six months or 12 months you don't want to mount gox situation as well so this is just a, a, a warning sign of that's where things could be trending okay so doesn't really you know it, it, it's just it's just a sign of where things could be heading okay Okay, moving on to the last couple of pieces of news. Going to stay with the Binance news. So Binance Crypto Exchange is launching its first mining pool for Bitcoin. So the news was broken Tuesday by the Russian crypto news publication CoinLife and later confirmed by three sources in the mining business. 
Binance CEO, CEO Chaoping Zhao tweeted about the pool on Wednesday. The company has already hired some professionals for this purpose, he said. Some of them former Bitmain employees. The launch is planned Q2 of 2020. This makes complete sense from Binance's perspective because one, it's ensuring the integrity of the Bitcoin network. Of course, they have a lot of Bitcoin reserves. It's also another way for them to, to, to another avenue for them to make money. We'll be talking about that in a second. Um, but generally speaking, this is probably bullish for the space because it just means that there's yes another mining pool another way to support the bitcoin network. the only concern i'd say is that a lot of bitcoin mining is happening in asia and in terms of decentralization i'm going to talk about um the communist party in asia and china rather um and censorship maybe at some point maybe a touch point in this video in the next article but um there is there is a certain risk to one of the largest exchanges launching a mining pool. If they do become one of the largest mining pools, they have a lot of lot of power, a lot of power, and it's only up to you know, it's, it's basically up to Chaoping Zhao to behave ultimately in this space responsibly and in the best interest of the Bitcoin network, which you know people's people's values and you know alignments do shift over time so it's it's very tricky it's very tricky um but staying with that news and talking about censorship crypto giant binance poised to acquire coin market cap for 400 million dollars so let me ask you a question who who runs coin market cap who's the ceo of coin market cap literally nobody knows so this is crazy this is this is what's so crazy someone's basically created the company which i'm sure has many many staff working for for it um developers created this company provided the service and nobody knows who they are it might as well be um you know satoshi nakamoto at this point because um <laughs> it's, it's it's really it's really surprising it's really surprising but it's really it's it's, it's fantastic you know um but there is a downside to this. If Binance again does acquire CoinMarketCap, what's to stop them from disseminating the kind of the kind of information that would be most beneficial to them? Talking about trading exchange volume, we're talking about censoring uh, cryptocurrencies, about rankings, about pumping different coins, because people do look at CoinMarketCap, do look at the top hundred, and do consider those coins for the first point of of, uh, of of you know information in terms of should I invest should I buy buy this you know buy this coin should I look at the charts so you know if we start seeing you know new, new coins popping up in the top 100 rankings that are newly listed on the exchange you know I'm assuming Binance won't do that because it's very obvious if that were to happen if people started to catch catch them out but there is a serious conflict of interest here. But thankfully, CoinMarketCap isn't the only site you can go to. There's CoinGecko. Uh, there's, uh, I can't remember, there's quite a few. Um, there's, loads of, there's loads of different uh, sites out there. And some of them are better in many other ways, many aspects to, compared to CoinMarketCap. So they're worth looking at. Okay, last story for today. Bitcoin usage tumbles as price volatility kicks in hard is a, is a gigantic dip on the horizon. So let's forget about the dip news. It's worth um, learning, being aware of. So through 
official Twitter page, founder and CEO of Quantum Economics, Matty Greenspan, revealed that the Bitcoin usage has dipped down significantly over the past few days. From a chart analysis, he deduced that only 250,000 transactions per day have been taking place in the last few days, which is clinching below the lowest levels last seen in December 2018. Greenspan's thoughts uh, is respected as a trader and analyst who regularly posts markets charts containing his thoughts and different fundamental aspects of the market in general. However, he warns that despite his wide knowledge in the market, he is not able to move the market. Of course, everyone's going to say that, but I don't think he is. Um, a decline in Bitcoin usage. So what I'd say is, you know, part, part, of, part of why Bitcoin's usage is probably declining as people are moving out of Bitcoin, let's be realistic. We take a look at what's happened since the financial crisis begun or really started to, to show itself. Um, Bitcoin network is probably going to get the least love because people need cash, especially those that have been most recent. I've joined the crypto space in the last 12 months. They've probably entered and probably left very quickly because it's quite a, quite a, you know, a, a time where you need you need cash, you need cash assets, you need liquidity to really function, especially with the number of people losing their jobs. And a lot of retail investors are very risky in terms of the way they approach the space. A lot of retail investors, you know, most people don't already don't have savings. Um, so, you know, getting hold of any cash they can is probably the best thing for them. So yeah, by all means they should sell their, you know, crypto if they need to pay for bills or food or whatever, or, or get by or just have some cash handy for the uncertain times ahead. But that would have an impact on the Bitcoin network where um, there would be fewer transactions on the network because less people would be using the network, less people would, would be uh, using it at all. So um, again, I'm not too concerned about this, but it is worth being aware of because it's one of the things you need to kind of pay attention to just in case Bitcoin is going to go to zero, which I, it's not possible for it to go to zero. I mean, if you take a look at BitConnect, BitConnect died long before it reached its absolute low around $34 before I kind of checked out. I was checking in periodically, but um, we all knew that was a scam. Um, but uh, for, for Bitcoin, it's going to take, take quite a lot for it to kind of, for the project to kind of end, so to speak, at least from a financial perspective or numerical value perspective. But um, that's it anyway. That's it for today's video, guys. Thank you so much for watching. If you did enjoy that video, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Or if you are a lovely new listener on all the podcasting platforms, do leave a review because that's meant to be beneficial. I, I, I would appreciate that. Thank you so much. Do check out the links in the description box as well in the notes because again, that email list is gonna be very beneficial. I'm gonna start posting on Patreon again as well. Um, I don't expect you guys to sign up, but just, just for the existing patrons that are over there, I just wanna say thank you as well for contributing during this time. It is actually being used and spent on the back end of things that is supporting this channel um, because this channel does need to become its own self-sustaining entity outside of uh, my trading and investing helps for tax purposes, but also just generally speaking as well in terms of allocation of time. So um, I would love this channel to grow uh, further. So if you guys could help me with that, I'd appreciate it. But anyway, that's it for today. I hope you have an amazing day. I shall catch you in the next video. I wish you guys all the very best.